Hey, hello, welcome to another episode of RPX Row Up, where we're going to row up character sheets. And this is kind of the session zero of something that may or may not happen, but we, you know, we typically just go through character creation here. And uh, today we're going to be doing Cthulhu Dark Ages. And joining me today are my great co hosts. Uh, hi, this is Crazon or Review Cultist. Um, I, I wear many masks. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, they're all fabulous. <laughs> and here with Grayson is uh, hi everybody. I'm David, um, longtime listener, first time co-host. <laughs> that is blatantly untrue. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, sir. Indeed. <laughs> oh, co-host, maybe. I mean, I this this feels like a promotion to me, really. Like <laughs> I started out as a guest, then I became the. the I, I'm flattered by that particular label, really. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's always a pleasure. And actually, uh, we're going to kind of refer to the body of your work here as we go forward with this uh, character creation. So I think before we get started into our character creation for Cthulhu Dark Ages, we're using the most recent edition, which I think it's third edition, maybe a second edition. I'm seeing it labeled as uh, third, at least. Uh, basically, this came. This slid in there somewhere in 2020, and I did not realize it existed. And then Crazon and I started playing, uh, uh, God, Assassin's Creed, and Valhalla. kind of feeling Valhalla, and kind of fell in love with all that. And then I think uh, one of our little casual conversations of wouldn't it be great to do a, a Viking game in Cthulhu Dark Ages? And then I don't remember how, but which one of us kind of said like we. Did David actually just throw Mitchum Cleary in that, or did we suggest that? Somebody suggested the Mitchum Cleary, because it was like, you know, the Mitchum Cleary time loop is a thing. And I just yeah. rolled with it, and I went, Vikings, huh? All right. I guess that's what we're playing this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think what, uh, one of us definitely must have like brought up, because well, I, it might have been me, maybe, because... Um, I'm apparently just a super hard like RPPR fanboy, <laughs> and and rem and and can and have re retain like the most minute of details from their from the, from your games. Until he actually gets murdered, which good fucking luck. It is pretty astounding how this Call of Cthulhu character has survived across multiple. Not just multiple like scenarios and adventures from both Caleb and Ross. But also multiple set uh, systems. <laughs> also that, um, and I will say for some of the folks that are out there, like there's got to be some kind of cheating involved in this. I always sit right next to the GM so that you can see the die rolls, even when I have a chance where it's like, okay, there is only a one in three chance that you'll actually be able to survive. Crit. How? How do you pull the crits out? <laughs> I want those dice checked. <laughs> I will kind of go back and recant a bit on what I said in the introduction of what RPX Row Up is. This is something we've kind of discussed for the past two to three years. And we really want to see this happen. So, yeah. you know, eventually, for those that are Patreon subscribers, they're going to get it <laughs> a day late, maybe. It's This is supposed to be released in June, but I'm recording this on June 31st because, you know, life got in the way. So hopefully by the time this actually hits the main syndication to where everyone who is not a Patreon subscriber, please subscribe to Patreon, by the way, uh, listens to it, will already have 
this scenario kind of in the back. So this is something we're going to, we are going to do. This is high on the priority list. I think before we jump into uh, Call of Cthulhu Dark Ages, David, if you don't care, if you could give us the elevator pitch of Mitchum's life and where he originated and why are we going to be rolling him up in a Dark Ages game? Okay. Well, let me start with the obvious. Um, so, off of paper, the very first game that I got to play for RPPR years and years ago, um, keep in mind, I went to high school with Ross and Tom, and um, I wasn't involved in the earliest, earliest part of RPPR, but I did get to join in because they had been friends of mine for a very long time. The first RPPR game that I got to play was a lovely little game called Bryson Springs. It was the first game that Caleb had run for RPPR, and it was also the first scenario that he wrote. Uh, so it was a lot of firsts, and he had handed out pre-gen characters. And mine was a gangster who was handcuffed in the back seat. <laughs> of a car being transported across the country by an agent, one of the Pinkerton men. And that was Tom's character. And so that was where Mitchum Cleary got his start. Now, most of the things that happened to Mitchum in that episode um, were personal touches that I threw on there. Like he had a violin case that had a Thompson because that is a lovely set piece. Whenever you hear gangster, if you do not immediately think of a Chicago typewriter in a violin case, you're, you're not thinking of the right kind of gangster. And so um, I decided that if he had one that he cared about enough to break down and put into a case, clearly it had to have a name. And so I named her after B.B. King's guitar, Lucille. And thus, Mitchum and Lucille were born. The legend of Mitchum and Lucille were born. The legend, yes. And so I started figuring, so where exactly did he come from to start off with? And I figured near Atlantic City, so he was born in New Jersey. Um, he was involved in the bootlegging that happened during Prohibition. And he was just a survivor. And so most of the details of Mitchum's life are fluid so that we can just fit him in wherever. Uh, we've basically decided that he is a cosmic plaything because every single time that he can show up in a story and we go, how does Mitchum Cleary get in here? Well, there's a couple of the different threats in Cthulhu that are known for shifting time or shifting bodies. So he's run afoul of the Mego a time or two. And I'm trying to think what the other one is. Yithians? Yes, the Yithians. Yeah. And so the the two constants that always happen um, at this point are that he almost always has some kind of scar from the last adventure that either hasn't been healed completely yet or hasn't been uh, done away with by the Migo yet. Because we're pretty sure that he's had bodies or he's been flipped from body to body at least once or twice by now. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's been pretty interesting. Like as a, as a listener of the podcast of that podcast, like hearing the, the, the different iterations and like the, the theories that have like evolved from Ross and on like how to, 
how this works. It's been pretty interesting. <laughs> yes. And about the only things that Mitchum that stayed the same with Mitchum in every iteration is that in that first adventure, um, everybody who read the book uh, started to see the horrible things and the lines but behind the uh, Fisher of Men. Spoilers. And so uh, one of Mitchum's catchphrases has always been, don't read the book. That's where they keep the madness. <laughs> and so he is literate. He can, in fact, read. He just chooses not to 90% of the time. And the yeah. few times that he has to read, he makes somebody else read it first just to make sure that they he doesn't go crazy when he reads. So, it, yeah. I know that you were in sense, he was in census like I had a man in the price and spring, but did you make an appearance in the mass and Al Arthur Hotep as well? I think that he did show up briefly in masks. Yeah. I think <laughs> if, if not like, directly i mean canonically that is tied because uh Kalo's character from the sense of the slide of handman was an npc in that game in that campaign so yeah mitchum was there somewhere <laughs> <laughs> yes uh also um you technically mitchum's technically made his way into the modern day um i think uh, maybe unofficially uh through another per to another um uh gm from rppr dan or fuzzy dan yes um ran and a um sorry uh, he ran a Monsters and Other Childish Things campaign where the monsters were, um, well, actually, the kids were in an orphanage. <laughs> and it was uh, Little Mitchum uh, had let, set fire to the local public library for reasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you designed uh, the lovely Lady Lucille as a childish monster. So she is a purple angel with a pair of Thompsons, one in either hand. The matron saint of Mordaka. <laughs> the matron saint of Mordaka. I still have that artwork floating around somewhere. Awesome. <laughs> well, gentlemen, I think it's about time for us to begin now. The uh, the actual through Dark Ages book is you can buy it. It's a standalone one, but there, if you need more details on certain things, it relies heavily on the Seventh Head Keepers Guide. So, I mean, if if you don't have one, if you had this book, you're okay by yourself. Uh, but, you know, if you had the supplemental of the Keeper's Seventh Ed, then you're, you know, better off. Now, the first, there's a lot of love for history in this book. And I think it goes through 56 pages before we actually get to character creation. So if you're following, if you've purchased a nice copy of Cthulhu Dark Ages, uh, you can go ahead and turn with us. <laughs> turn in your hymnals, please, to page 77. As, uh, 50, as, 57. 57, not 77. Not 77, excuse me. 57. Uh, as we sing, the road will call up yonder, I'll be there. So, again, Call of Cthulhu is, uh, uh, this is what it's based off of. So, I mean, honestly, we we downloaded these character sheets that we're going to be using from Dolehouse, which Chaosium acquired like two years uh, ago, it's, I believe. It's, a, it's, it's also called, not called the Dolehouse, Adam. It's, it's called the Dole Hole. <laughs> The dole hole. I think. <laughs> right? no, like, Dollhouse. I think. I think we made that up. Oh, okay, hang on. Us. Let's get double check. Sorry, I just want to make sure. Well, it is D O H L. Okay, you know, what? I, I apologize. You know what? Okay, I sorry. I I thought it was the dole's hole. 
<laughs> I will shut up. Somebody's mind in the gutter. So we're going to go ahead. Better and than mine, because I'm just looking at this going, what a friend we have in Dagon. <laughs> so I'm going to be creating along with you guys, though, more than likely. As as we have written things so far, I will be the person running this game. I'm going to go ahead and go through with character creation, and we're going to have a few extra players in the RPX group. Notice that pause there. We mentioned RPPR way too many times all of a sudden <laughs> uh, to hop in here. So we're going to go with the steps. So uh, the steps to creating, like there's six steps to this. First one is we're going to generate characteristics. Uh, then we're going to be determining a life event, which I don't know if that's necessarily in Call of Cthulhu. Determine derived attributes, determine occupation, and allocate skill points. And then create a backstory. And David, I look forward to yours like crazy. It's going to be fun. I'm actually rolling up some of the dice for it. And uh, so for backstory creation, by the way, um, if you can flip ahead in your hymnals to um, the events <laughs> on page 60. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish that I could show you what I have rolled up because the first roll was 40, which means roll twice and discard 40s. Nice. Yes, I did pick up a pair of 20s and both rolled a nat 20. So let's see where we go from here. (laughs) I look forward to it. (laughs) So we're going to go ahead and like at this moment, We'll probably go ahead and pause because we're going to be just throwing up just straight up stats as I scroll back up to page 57. Yeah. And so we're going to be the character creation for the most part is going to revolve us ruin either 3D6s for like uh, strength, con, size, dexterity, appearance, intelligence, power, and education. And then there's a, a variation for size, which is 2D6 plus 6. So we're going to go ahead and kind of pause this recording. And when we come back, we'll kind of give the basic layouts of our mostly nameless characters. Okay, and we're back. I I can't wait to do a little bit of show and tell here, guys. I'm a little proud of it. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce my character's name, working name. With it being the year 2023 of our Lord here, I have stuck with a naming convention of country uh, music-inspired names. So I am going to be Gareth Broth, which is Garth Brooks. (laughs) So, uh, so you know, I've got friends, and they're in low places. <laughs> Damn it! Or in yeah. crawl spaces, if this is a, a Call of Cthulhu game. Now, strength-wise, I'm kind of a punier. I mean, a little slightly under average. Uh, under average, I'm 45. Uh, my con doing a little bit better. I'm 55, so I have um, I'm an average human in that respect. I was really proud of my decks. Uh, I am 65, so I usually try to get around the 70s anyway, since I played one Call of Cthulhu game with Frost, Peyton, and I'm like, I will never have a Delta Green or a Call of Cthulhu character who is not nimble as a cat. <laughs> My int is also 60, so I guess, uh, you know, average intelligence. Size, I, I'm a little bit disappointed after our little conversations that were going on off mic because I thought I won this, but I am size 80, so I'm either very t- tall, very strongly built, or obese. I think I am me being a six foot four person, probably going to lean toward 
strong. Not super strong. I mean, it's uh, tall. Not super strong, but, you know. So that kind of works with that. My pal is 70. So, you know, better than average. My parents is 45. You know, if you squint, I'm cute. Kind of <laughs> deal. And finally, I am a educated whatever I am at this exact moment. I'm 70 on that. So that is... In Caucasian standards, it's a bachelor's degree. I doubt I got it. <laughs> but Maybe not I've in the dark ages, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I school hard knocks. So, uh, Crazon, uh, introduce your character. Tell us a, a little right. bit about him. Well, what is your character and what does he do? <laughs> My character is a real sex machine. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, no, um... I am going to be playing uh, Bjorn Wolfscar. Um, I I just kind of I, I made it. I drew up my character a while back, um, like an idea for a character anyway. Okay. Uh, and I decided to make him like kind of have like these like facial scarrings from like when he was attacked by some wolves or something. Hence the last name part of his name. Yeah. Uh, again, I've been playing Valhalla, so that might have had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, my strength is sixty, so above average. Uh, my con is 40, slightly below average human. Dex is 45, so again, roughly average. Uh, my intelligence is 55, so around average. I've got an average build uh, uh, size of 55. <laughs> um, it's not till I hit my pow, <laughs> my power, where I have a 75, <laughs> which uh, is apparently somewhere between average and like strong-willed, driven, and high potential. <laughs> And uh, I can I have a connection to the unseen and magical, um, and uh, my appearance. Uh, I re- I want to preface. I randomly rolled this, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but apparently it was destiny, or it was one of the um, uh, the fates <laughs> that deemed it. Um, but uh, Bjorn Wolfscar is indeed scarred with thirty at appearance. Um, so. Yeah, God. somewhere between ugly, possibly disfigured due to injuries at, or at birth, uh, or and an average human appearance. Uh, so it's like somewhere between fifteen and fifty. So, ah, yeah, Bjorn, Bjorn Wolfgar, the mud fence of this party. Okay, and then uh, my education is forty, which according to this is somewhere between uh, completely, uh, com- <laughs> is completely uneducated in every way, <laughs> and high school graduate. <laughs> According to the uh, the chart you gave me for like yeah. what these are, so yeah, I'm somewhere between. I, I'm I'm an elementary school learning, I guess, or I'm like just mildly literate. <laughs> now you take the hammer and you hit the thing. Okay, got it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Bjorn just <laughs> Bjorn just uh, pawn in in Game of Life. All right, now we went through the two characters. Now in the video game, we're we're. We're kicking over to the beautiful Mitchum Cleary. So, you know, you've got the tall, gangly man. <laughs> beautiful, yeah. <laughs> so, um, just to throw it out there, as far as what we ended up with, um, my dice rolled fairly high, except for one stat, and I'm going to give you three guesses as to which one it was. <laughs> so, strength is 85, con is 80. Dex is 90. Int is 85, so that means that despite the fact that he does not read, he is fully capable of reading. <laughs> yeah. Size of 80. 
Now, Pal was originally 70, but we'll get to why it's 80 in just a minute. Um, education is 75. So he's smart, but he's not as well-read, which fits. Yeah. Appearance, 35. I am only slightly yeah. better looking than the mud fence. <laughs> only slightly. I was, I was going to say, so So I guess, like, uh, like for anybody who's w- listened to, like, Bryson Springs, um, apparently uh, he got jacked after after getting uh, uh, after that event, and because um, the appearance seems to match what the aftermath of Bryson Springs. Yes, <laughs> the appearance fits for aftermath of Bryson Springs, but the the body is far more swole than he was before. It's the <laughs> if I have to cut another hand off with a straight razor, it's gonna have to be once <laughs> in one swing. I, I would even argue that. Maybe by modern standards, you're higher than that number. I, it's just like we've went back. Mitchell's at a different time period, so there are certain things about his appearance that are unseemly or uncommon, or you know, uncommon or something like that. So, I mean, you you could you be know, burnt and, and scarred as well, but you may also just be of a different era that's not appreciated. You know, back in my home time, I'm one of the scrawny ones. <laughs> <laughs> But around here, apparently, I'm King Swole of the Swole folks. <laughs> so, um, have to point out that the backstory, um, I rolled, I got to roll twice, and both of them were a POW plus, which I find funny. Um, one of them is born on a Saint's Day, or Saint's Feast Day, and so I decided, you know what, let's let's just do a little bit of quick uh, Catholic um, Googling. Oh, Saint Olga, we'll use that one. Patron Saint of Vengeance. Well, this is hitting just a little on the nose. <laughs> and then the other one was, um, where was this? Spend some time among the fairy hills as a child. Or oh, lost boy. among the elf hills as a child. So both of those are plus five pow, and kind of fits. It's like auspicious birth, but also, <laughs> what did you do as a kid? I spent some time among the Fae. Why did you spend time among the Fae? Well, you call them the Fae, but I actually call them horrors that man weren't meant to know. I was also going to go like this. Might connect to like Slate Slate uh, reference to uh, one of uh, the one less die. Zorin. <laughs> uh, sorry. Let's go for age. Uh, I'm yep. kind of looking through here, kind of gamifying stuff a bit, possibly. So it starts out from 15 and it goes up to 60. So 15 to 19, we're supposed to either deduct five. If our character is super young like that, we're going to take five off of size, strength, or education. And then row twice to generate a luck score and use a higher value. If you take 20s to 30s, uh, we're just going to make, and it, it'll kind of go over us generating the uh, improvement to EDU. So 20s and 30s, you're not seeing any degradation of other stuff. Uh, you, David, they hate us in the 40s, apparently, because at that point in time, we you basically are deducting five points from strength, con, or dex, and also apparent. So on top Rude. of a, yeah, no, we're like, if it was optional, that's okay. But apparently, as you get older, just face up, that's, that score's going down. <laughs> wow, if you're, rude. If you're in your 50s, it gets worse with 10-point deductions. 
And also in the 60s, it's 20 points. And, you know, there are some improvements. And reduce appearance by 15 if you're in the 60s. <laughs> now, I wonder, is this a cumulative? Like, are they trying to say that if you're in your 60s, that's reduce your appearance by 35? My, I started at a 35. You're at a zero. God. Congratulations. You're a bog witch. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Chris, you're not going to be a mud fist anymore. You're going to be an open sore. So I I decided that my age modifier was going to be determined by either uh, me rolling a d8 and not including and and uh, re-rolling on eights, mm-hmm. or um, or potentially I'll just roll like a d100 and see what age I get. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the first I, I tried the first uh, thing and I hit a I, I'm in my fifties. <laughs> alternatively oh. i could go with the uh the the percentile die and go with 32 so in my 30s i i'm kind of tempted to go to the 50s though <laughs> to be a, be like this aged viking <laughs> or aged norseman <laughs> so if there's anything that we learned from um Discworld. It's like Cohen the Barbarian, who was a barbarian hero at ninety, proves that if you make it to that age, you're either very, very bad at it, meaning that you haven't done it at all, or you're very, very good at it and have somehow managed to survive. So, based on your build and everything else, I'm going to go with the very, very good at it role. Now I just have to figure out which of my my uh, characteristics are didn't dropped. <laughs> I am going to take a different approach. Like it tells you, you can just pick, and that's yeah, fine. But yeah. but since uh, Chris Crazon, the man of many names, uh, decided to do that, I just wrote a D six, and I had the fir- the one spot be you know the teens up to the six being the sixty. So I wrote it, and I'm a teen. Some might call you a coward. No, I'm yeah. <laughs> not having so, the full. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, sir. <sorry. laughs> no, it's fine. So I get to deduct five from size or strength, and also from ed uh, from edu. So I am going to go ahead. When you do at, deduct it from size or strength. Uh, you don't have to deduct all five points from one stat. You can spread it. Oh, okay. So that that is a thing. I wanted to mention that before we just start going, well, which one do I drop by five? Well, I guess this one. Yeah. I think honestly, oh, I think okay. I think I think my yeah. I think my size, I can whittle that down to seventy-five and it would still be uh, a comparable uh deal. I also have got to take um from EDU. So now my education has went down to sixty-five. David, have you uh, picked your age for Mitchell? Yes, I did. I rolled uh, percentile, and I ended up, excuse me, at 38. Nice. Oh, a sweet spot, so you didn't. Yeah. I think you improved a little bit, <laughs> or uh, make improvements to your check uh, for education. Yeah, so I think that basically, the I, I'm not sure how the improvement check works in this, but I think that it was roll and try to, you're either trying to get over or under. Yeah. But we'll figure that out here in a minute. So, so here's a question. Actually, I got double. I want to double check. Oh, so, here it is. Okay. to make an EDU improvement check, simply roll percentage dice. If the result is greater than your percent, add one d10. Yep. Note that it cannot go above ninety nine. So, my question here is: um, uh, so you deduct ten points from strength, con, or dex. Uh, points may be split across two or three 
uh, tour all three, which I've done. And also from a, uh, appearance. So is appearance like getting a, the full 10? Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I'm, so I'm now 20 appearance. God. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like uh, a paper bag, sir? What's the, what's, uh, so my, according to the, uh, the chart, uh, I am closer, much closer to ugly, possibly disfigured due to injury or at birth. Uh, so apparently them scars are even worse than Mitchum was back when Bryson Springs happened. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Those of you listening at home, I'm getting ready to make a proposition to Chris Curzon here about what, like, if he would do this, if he is, because he has been prone to draw character profiles. If you could do a slash between a person wearing a paper bag on their head and a mud fence, that would be just like, you know, half and half. That would be beautiful. But you, you do what you're going to do if you're going to do it at all. Hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> we will embed this in this son of a bitch. <laughs> I will draw this character like I've been doing for all the roll-ups I've been in. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward already. Just because. <laughs> Apparently I also get to make three improvement checks for education. So yeah. I guess. Uh, so that's so good. Simply. Um, so I roll three percentiles. Yes, and if you roll over, uh, that's a d10 that you add to your edu characteristic. And gotcha. note that it oh cannot God. go above ninety nine. <laughs> of course, I roll ninety nine <laughs> on the you first know, I roll. <laughs> I also rolled ninety nine and switched, and I rolled an eight to add to mine. So. You're in good company. Apparently, we are both the we we both had some learning. Okay, so hang on. Okay, so I, I had to roll this three times. So I guess I just don't <laughs> roll it three times. I know uh, you keep rolling. Um, okay, you roll okay. it. You make the improvement, and um, okay. Actually, yeah, so if the result is greater than your present, um, oh, I add one d ten. Okay, that okay. Now yes. I, I understand. Okay. Mm. All right, 1d10. So I've got one for the first one. So you're not as educated, but roll uh, it so, again. So 41. So the next one, uh, so yeah, the, the second uh, attempt, I get 18, um, which is definitely under my education currently. So you got to learn some of the things that you already learned. Yeah. So, yeah, so I have to get, I'm trying to get over, right? The Yeah. Okay. All right, and then my last one, my last uh, attempt, forty-five, which is just over my current. So I will right. now roll Add a that yep six. All right, so I have forty-seven education now. <laughs> no. I scrolled down to page fifty-eight and I realized there was a seventies and eighties. I stopped at the sixties. Yeah. So my my D six, <laughs> I'm gonna stick with that because I no. like it. But I, it's why I, I called you a coward point. earlier, by the way. <laughs> Because oh. I thought you were like, I don't want to go over 60. <laughs> yeah, so like that, that it, it was a joke. <laughs> Just, no, it's fine. I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not afraid anymore. <laughs> no. Mm. Uh, so on the page 58, we do start getting into uh, damage bonuses and builds. And uh, I don't even see a place on the, on the um, sheet for that. A damage um, bonus it is a, at yeah. the bottom of the sheet, yeah, ah. uh, the very bottom right corner, and it will auto populate. Yep. Oh, so I get jack shit. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I've got zero too. So, all right. Um, so th the form fillable 
Nice. Even From... with a really high uh, strength and size, I've only got a D6. So don't don't think that it's huge. Like, even though this chart says the damage bonus and build, if you get uh, between the 445 and 524, it's plus 5 D6. How in the world are you going to get that swole? You've got to be a, you've got to be an elder god or an elder yeah. tour. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my it, the, the worksheet, by the way, the the not worksheet, excuse me, the uh, character sheet from Dole's house uh, <laughs> uh, also does the movement rates. It's also on page fifty eight, so it's you know I got a movement rate of seven. Given six. Oh, okay. So um, looks like we're going for step two now. David got a, as a. You kind of mentioned yours beforehand. Uh, I got to dig out 2d20. So once again, you, uh, Mitchum was raised by the Fae or spent time with the Fae. And what was the other event that you had? Um, I was born on a Saint's Feast Day. Oh, okay. So specifically, I decided to go for Saint Olga, who, for those who are not Catholic or don't have a reason to know it, uh, Saint Olga is the patron saint of vengeance. Okay. So somewhat fitting. Um, I found a random list of saints and just rolled on it. I'm so I rolled the 2d20 mm-hmm. um, and I got a 14, which gives me that my father was a priest. Now, again, we're going Viking stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, you, so, could, you could, you could twist that. So. so I could say that like he's a, he was a priest or like, a, or like a, a priest to like the Norse gods. Yeah. Okay. What the fuck is that thing? You get a bonus of plus 10 to religion and minus mm-hmm. 5 to occult. So you basically got to learn about that set of gods. Yeah. But I have no idea about the, uh, uh, probably about like any of the, 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 the actual, like the folklore, I guess. <laughs> right. I know, I know about the, I know about like how I, I know about like the Pantheon and stuff of like that, but I don't know much about like, I guess, it's, it, you know, it's kind of like the difference between like being ed, like, being a learned man and being a streetwise guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Like I know the academics of of, uh, of of Norse mythology, but I don't know much about the uh, the um, uh, the more like localized folklore. <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Looking through this list, there are some really you you dodged a bullet because if I was thinking if you had rolled an eight, <laughs> that would have been funny. Yeah. All by a bear minus five appearance. Like, what the hell happened to you? <laughs> I, oh, that would be perfect. Also, when I first rolled it, I didn't realize that I like I because I I gapped and realized like oh I rolled two d twenty so like I roll like I get to two I get two uh, two spots. So the first one was like <laughs> crops are failing, and then the other one was uh, sold into slavery as a child. I was like, oof. <laughs> I was like, oh, I mean, one of those connects to the other, I guess. Well, but um. My first roll of 2d20 was a 20 on each die. Yeah. Because, of course. Of course. And so that's just roll twice and ignore subsequent rolls of 40. Like, if you roll 40, again, the game has a built-in, hey, wait a minute, let me see those dice. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how I ended up with two. Um, Well, mine... I wrote a 16. So my parents were accused of heresy. So I have negative. (laughs) uh, Yeah. I have negative 10 to status. 
River that is. We'll find that a bit later on, but I get a plus five for uh, the natural world. So I'll go ahead and add that in there. If there's a lot of blank stuff here, because you can fill these things out. I don't even know where the natural yeah. world is. On here. Uh, nat- or probably. Um... Uh, I found it up here. It's so I got a 25 there at the moment. All right, so it looks like uh, we've got all those taken care of. We're going to go ahead and move on over with this. We're going to be doing sanity, luck, hit points, magic points. And some of these are already derived. I think we only have to roll, really, uh, one of these. So sand is equals pal. Sanity equals pal. The investigator's max sanity is uh, 99. So I guess with my pal being uh, seventy, so I guess my sand is seventy. Is that? Hang on. Yeah, san- wait, sanity equals pal. And investigators are never more than ninety-nine. I'm just wondering why it didn't like populate uh, from the uh, in the character in the sheet, but I guess. Well, it, it's one of changes though. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so maybe that's so. There's it. yeah. So I can put seventy, and then you can kind of yeah. It, it gives you where you go insane. So I went ahead and plugged okay. that in. And um, so everybody can go ahead and drop their PAL scores in there and also get out 3D6 for your luck. Now, with my character being young, that's because I can't read and I'm a coward. Uh, (laughs) uh, But to be honest with you, I'll accept that badge. I get to roll luck twice. And then I accept, I take the higher of the two. So. I'm glad I do because that first row would have been uh, I rode four. So let's see if we can do a little bit better. So it's whatever your 3D6 is and you multiply it by five. Mm-hmm. All right. So 16 by five, that would be 65 luck, I think. Uh, no, right. oh, you have 14. No, it'd be, no, it'd be a little bit higher. Yeah, it'd be higher. Excuse me. 16 would be 80. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say because. Um... Apparently, I found out how my character survived to be into his 50s as a Viking. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a luck of 75 because uh, I rolled a 15. Ooh. So. Well, or everybody looked at me. I ain't fucking with him. Good. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's what it was. It's like. Uh... Most men died in their 40s, by the way. And women had a much rough t- rougher time. They didn't make 30 very often. It mentions that somewhere in the book. I was kind of. Uh... Going through that. Um, so your magic points, it, it auto-populated that. It also David, uh, automatically uh, populated hit points. Sorry. Yeah. David, what was your luck? So I rolled 14. And um, so that puts me at a luck of 70. Yeah. God, so we're all like around the same like amount of luck. <laughs> in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. In the beginning. Yeah. And it certainly did movement rate. But I really do like this character sheet. I was to the point of actually trying to create a form fillable myself until, and <laughs> until I looked I... on Dole's house and I, I just apparently, as the record will show, I glanced at something like, well, no, fuck it. This is the way it is. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So we're going to move on to step four. We're going to determine an occupation. I'm going to read a bit from the text. Please don't sue me. Chaosium. An occupation defines what position your character fills in society. Each occupation denotes applicable skills 
and purchasing power represented by the status skill, which I got negative 10 to. Once you have chosen the occupation, write it down on the investigation sheet and make a note of the skill. So we're going to pick it and then it's going to give us certain kind of perks. We've seen this in like Aquaria and uh, other games like that. After you have chosen an occupation, calculate your occupation skill points using the characteristics specified alongside the occupation. Allocate the resulting total as percentage points among the skills listed uh, for the occupation. And it, it kind of goes on and on, but that's the basic gist of it. Now we're doing Vikings for the most part, which I, yeah, I hadn't really considered my guy Viking yet, but he's on the GM anyway. He may be uh, a, a, a Breton. Saxon. Yeah. Saxon, but, or a pick or, you know, uh, whatever. Well, I think the name would pick that, but uh, I guess we need to kind of go through the occupations now. Mm-hmm. We'll pause this and be right back. So, basically, we've kind of went ahead and picked out our occupations. Uh, I'm gonna let everybody else start out. So, let's go ahead and jump over to Chris on this. Chris, what is your occupation, and uh, like, what did you kind of focus on there? Meaning that, like, when we do, when you pick out an occupation for those of you at home. There are certain stats that you're allowed to dump a primary set of points into. So, um, and then you can add more a little bit later on. So, if you can tell me that, that'd be well, great. First, I gotta say, it's like, Vikings, what is your <laughs> occupation? Haru, haru. <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, yeah, so I went with the woodsman uh, or like the hunter. Cause I kind of wanted to go with a, like a hunter kind of outdoor or like kind of wild, uh, kind of uh woodsman sort of character. Um, so as a result of that, um, I've got, uh, oh God, I have, uh, occupational wise. I have a, uh, uh, there, there's something called arts and craft art or craft. And I decided to go with craft, like traps, like wood, like hunting cra- traps, basically like snares and all that kind of stuff. Um, I also went with, uh, it also gives me uh, listen, uh, natural world, navigate, pilot boat, uh, a, uh, a, a range weapon, which is a bow, um, spot hidden, stealth, and throw were my occupational um, choices. Yeah. And then do we want me to go with the uh, the personal interest ones or? Uh, no, we'll. we'll... Okay. Well, yeah, go ahead at this point. Okay. We might as well just dump them all at one time. Okay. Uh, and then just like to kind of like even out my character a little bit more, I went with like climb, dodge, uh, fast talk, uh, first aid, insight, intimidation. Um, so we got here. Uh, oh, and my, I, I get religion as part of um, a, a, uh, uh, as part of a backstory thing. Um, yeah. And I also grabbed track because that seemed important <laughs> for a hunter. <laughs> yeah. And they're and, they're all in like the mid like like thirty to twenty uh, range. There's a couple of like there's a couple of fifty and even a sixty in there somewhere. So, yeah. yeah, and they're to kind of actually add on to this. And I'm looking for the hunter right now. Who it's, uh, the, it's 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 technically woodman or like woodsman or or fisher or fisherman, but like it, that classifies like woodsman as like a hunter. Okay. Uh, profession. So, yeah. And basically what the way they do this here is your, you look at your two stats. It, it points out like for woodsman, it would be EDU times two plus int times two. And, and for each individual class to pick those points, it just, um, 
it goes, like, it varies. So like the one that David and I, we, we did it, we had a different kind of set of points that kind of went with it. But when we were doing personal interests, it was basically int times two and then nothing could go above 75. So you could kind of round it out a bit more. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like that. Uh, okay. Uh, David, what did, what did Mitchum have or what did you go oh. with? I thought about going for the free warrior, but the more that I read the descriptions, the more I thought that mercenary slash brigand fits a little bit better. And so I ended up going mercenary. Now, the skills that you have access to as a mercenary are fighting, brawl, fighting, choose a weapon of choice, um, natural world, navigate, track, stealth, throw, and then any other skill as a personal specialty, which... Since we're going with Mitchum Cleary here, I decided that that particular one was going to be a cult. Okay. Because the man knows far too much. And he's run into far too many things that man weren't meant to know. <laughs> um, let's see. Really as, oh, it's all good. Uh, what I was going to say is that as a mercenary slash brigand, um, your occupational skill points are based on your constitution times two and your strength times two. And on either side of that one, like right above and right below, um, you really get to see how there are different classes that are going to have different skills to go off of. Because right below it is merchant, and the occupational skill points for a merchant are education times four. Mm -hmm. Um, While as right above it, juggler slash minstrel is dex times two. And then either appearance times two or pow times two. So um, basically it's either your sanity or your good looks are how you're going to be getting by. Um, but I went for I went for mercenary because it just feels like it fits a little bit better. Um, the free warrior would have been education times two and strength times two. Yeah. This is, as, as we went through this, I kind of think back to other... Uh, places I've seen character creation done, as in, like, uh, we did Alcaloria, which is going to post uh, eventually in the general feed. I think it's like our second row up we ever did. And uh, trying to think of other ones, like Dungeons and Dragons, they get, you can you can roll or you can get base skills and stuff like that to dump into whatever stats. And, you know, as I kind of reflect on this, the this one... And I guess it's probably Cthulhu in general. I never have went through a proper Call, call of Cthulhu character creation. I think I just look at a character sheet and kind of do it. I never really used a book as an aid for it, I think. If I wasn't using, like, Dole's House. Or there used to be that program called Bayaki. But um, the rows here really dictated the class that I picked. And then the order in which I assigned points did as well. So it, it kind of like it, those numbers made the character co- come to life a bit more. And so it made these decisions for me. For example, I picked, um, I picked the, uh, hermit slash heretic. And I, that was basically based on that. My parents were branded, branded as heretic. So that that's kind of what I went into this thing with. It's like, well, you know, I've, I'm getting shit on for my parents sins so to speak so with it i i got a you know my primary skills were insight listen uh spot hidden or spot hidden I've, i may need to actually go back over the character sheet could i use listen and spot hidden 
natural world, uh, occult, um, persuade, religion, stealth, and it said to pick another skill. And I did, uh, I think I took fast talk. I've, I found that I need to be able to bullshit some stuff like that. So I, I dumped some points into all that. And then, you know, I just, mine was devised by my occupation of pal times four. That's kind of getting back to me playing with numbers as well. My pal skill was my high skill. So it gave me 140 points to dump into it. So it, it allowed me to commit to that. I think if, uh, if, do y'all have anything else to add to this or I'll kind of, I'm going to edge us a little bit further along here. No. Uh, one thing mm-hmm. that I would add is that it does lend towards a certain amount of min-max, which mm-hmm. everybody is always going to say, ah, oh, min-maxing bad. Well, you say that, but on the other hand, picking out which stats definitely fit for you to use makes more sense. Like, some of it just makes sense as opposed to just being min-maxy. Like, yeah. you could... Um, as we were looking at the list to start off with, Chris and I both just kind of said, well, we're clearly not going to be beggars because <laughs> beggar yeah. stats are based off of POW and appearance. And we both hit the ugly stick on the way down. Yeah. Uh, cleric has a chance to use appearance, so we're like, not going to be clerics. Mm-hmm. Um, had we been farmers, that's strength and con, and we both would have been decent farmers. Yeah. But you know, you look at it to a certain degree and you just kind of go... You know, some of these just do not fit. Um, and that's yeah, not so yeah. much min-maxing as much as it is just looking at your stats and going, well, if I wanted to make this type of character, I just will not survive. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, well, yeah, there is definitely some, like, some uh, uh, possibility of min-maxing in this system. But, like, the system also allows you to have, like, def- there are defaults for other for skills and stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. And some of them are quite high, like sleight of hand is 25 uh, basic, like without any add, add, add-ons. So, and, and like, dodge is half of your decks. So yeah. if you've got a really high decks, then your dodge is going to start through the roof. One might say, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I really appreciate it all, just how it all kind of comes together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then also, there's the personal interest skills, which come after, which that is just flat out based on your int times two, and then you allocate um, to whichever skills you want. So that's a that is another nice little saving grace in there is the ability to be able to just allocate for your personal interest after you've gone through and said, well, because I was an X, that means that I get these. But on the other hand, I also have an interest in these things. Yeah. Yeah. It go it it then takes us on to and we pretty much have finished up the first part of the character sheet there. I think the uh next section was the my story kind of scrolling down to see yeah, the, but which the is just yeah. yeah your backstory. With well, my story. There's my story, and then there's backstory. Uh, backstory gets in like physical description and your your traits. Your my story is just how you got to where you are. My my story sum it up, and I did write a little quick version of this on the character sheet. Uh, my parents were heretics, uh, so therefore they uh, got involved. In, they were involved in a fertility cult of some sort. They're in good old Anglo-Saxon world. 
their involvement got them evicted from town. So kind of going with which for uh, the film, which they are living on the outskirts uh, in the countryside. And one night his parents went uh, left for one of their rituals and they've never came back home. So he is currently residing in the hut, in his hut in the woods living off nature with his uh, two younger brothers. So like my characters, I think 18, I never really even said it, 18 or 19 years old, probably 19. Uh, but yeah, he's living with his brothers. Now, I'm going to tack on backstory with this here, and we can kind of row, uh, we'll row through everybody else's as well. Uh, the book does give you a couple of generic kind of personal descriptors, though I kind of stuck with those. I said he was youthful. He was slim, tall. And then I, I want to, I'm kind of, if you haven't picked up on this, I'm wanting to make an allusion to, you know, some mythosy stuff in his life, though you can't take Cthulhu mythos. I did take a pretty high cult score, though. So uh, going with the suggestion of David, uh, I'm ordinary in appearance. Look nearly identical to my younger brothers also. So, I mean, the only difference is age. Like, my younger brothers look exactly like my character. And this is kind of a shout-out to something we've done in the past. I think it was a Patreon exclusive where we uh, did uh, a couple of sessions at the Quiet Year and kind of come up with a, a scenario or a setting, excuse me, called Sarah Falls mm -hmm. that we were going to kind of use. So if you want to check it out, if you're a Patreon subscriber, it's in the backlogs. But yeah, so I want to. If that you're weird. not a Patreon uh, subscriber, <laughs> it's absolutely worth becoming one just to check this out. <laughs> Blatant plug. <laughs> Thank you, sir. So, who would like to go ahead and go into their backstory and a little bit of their uh, my story? The backstory. Uh, well, I guess uh, I could go. Um, okay. So I don't have a whole lot for my story outside of uh, my father was a priest of the Norse uh pantheon um so was like i guess one of the uh the the, the more spiritual leaders of uh of our clan or mm -hmm. what have you um uh, and uh i think i think my character probably was maybe expected at some point in his youth to like follow in that footstep but he just but he chose a uh a different path um mm -hmm. and ventured away from wolf mist island the island where sarah falls is <laughs> as well yeah um and went uh made their way to uh the the viking settlements uh around uh yorkshire uh where he met olga his uh, uh his hunt uh, his hunting mentor uh who taught him like the ways of like the wilds and like how to survive in the woods and such and mm -hmm. they became rather close um however one day olga uh was uh was murdered uh, or was found murdered uh, in the in uh, in her hut by my character, and um, she lived pretty close to the walls of uh, of of the city of York, um, mm -hmm. and thought that she'd be and like they kind of opened my uh, the character's eyes to opened Bjorn's eyes to the um, the evils uh, in society that should be rooted out. Uh, that being um, uh, the false sense of security that walls uh, always bring. Um, that sense of complacency. Wow. So he 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 chose to kind of be ever vigilant against 
uh, outside threats and such. Um, and uh, one of those threats uh, turned out to be a, not, not a threat at all, um, but in fact a gift by the gods. Uh, when one day during uh, his, one of his treks out in the woods, he discovered um, a, a small boy uh, who had been abandoned and or left for dead. And uh, the the boy ended up getting adopted by Bjorn. Um, and the boy's name was Miller. And mm-hmm. Miller Miller taught uh, taught Bjorn how to be a father, uh, or at least a father figure. So, um, yeah, that kind of roughly kind of goes into my backstory. Um, because Bjorn is like a guy in his fifties now. Um, yeah. He's older and stronger build, but rugged. Uh, would yeah. you probably like fit his description? Um, his ideology is that he finds society's complacency is is an evil, um, and uh, his significant people are his adopted son Miller and Olga, his mentor in the hunt in the ways of hunting. Um, a meaningful location to him is the uh, is the woods where he makes his living and home uh and a, a treasured possession of his is actually olga's bow which he uses uh on the regular to honor her her memory and uh he's she she may be the only woman that he ever truly loved and he feels that they are uh, that she is that she is saving a seat for him in valhalla so i'd like to interrupt and say that earlier when you said she was found murdered by him, meaning yeah. that you found her murdered, not murdered by, <laughs> by you. Actually, I kind of like the idea that like he found her murdered with a man identical to him over top of her. I like, I like that. Like it, uh, something assumed his face. What's your character's name again? <laughs> Bjorn uh, Wolfscar. <laughs> well, we've got, Bjorn Wolfscar, and then um, I would say just Wolfgard as the other one. But since it's the same face, are we going to just call him Bjorn again? <laughs> Bjorn, god damn it! It <laughs> <laughs> was a good setup and a delivery, <laughs> and I walked right into it. <laughs> I'm not even going to complain that you went further than I did down the backstory because I forgot to go over my ideology and stuff. But oh, well, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll jump back. No, it's my fault. <laughs> I'll jump back onto it. And you did such a beautiful job of it. Um, so you've got your significant uh, people. Uh, meaningful location, what'd you put for that? Uh, the meaningful location is the vault. Oh, I, I went with the volds or like the woods. So okay. uh, basically like where he feels most most comfortable is actually like out in the wilds, out in the trees and uh, you, where he makes his living in his home. So, And you said it was a bow was your treasure possession or what was it again? Yeah, yeah Olga's hunting bow is... Uh, okay is his treasured possession. Awesome. Well, David, why don't you go ahead and jump in and then I'll, I'll tack on the, the last of my character sheet that I neglected to throw down. So, um, I think everybody kind of knows what Mitchum Cleary looks like at this point. Um, injuries and scars include burns on his neck in the shape of a weird hand that looks like a, it had been lit lit on fire. I've got bullet scars on arms and chest, various different stab wounds at various states of healing, some very old, some somewhat recent. Um, for ideology and beliefs, uh, there is evil in society, and it is tied to things that man weren't meant to know. Uh, significant people is Lucille. Uh, why is Lucille significant? I think we all know that. I don't need to go into too much difference. I mean, too much detail on it. 
Um, meaningful locations, the church where I arrived this time around. Mm -hmm. um, my treasured possessions this time around. Um, because this is the Dark Ages, and we're specifically going into a Viking society, having a violin case <laughs> with a certain set of contents doesn't really fit. But on the other hand, a medallion with a bas-relief of a very strange device that's like a crossbow, but not, uh, definitely does fit. So I know what that device is. Nobody else at this time is aware of it. Uh, for traits on the actual trait list, I rolled melancholic, so he is a little bit on the sad side for reasons. Uh, we've covered injuries and scars. And uh, for phobias and manias, um, I am just going to say bibliophobia of a very specific type. Like, um, Mitchum, classically, or classic Mitchum, um, will read a new book, something that is fresh off of the shelf. But he is extremely leery of the older books and diaries and tomes. And at this particular time in the world, most books are of the sort that he will not read. So... Mitchum is not going to be doing too much reading this time around, because all of the books are the kind of books that he knows that the madness is kept in. Okay, Sounds and I good. feel like that covers—I feel like that covers most of it. Um, special place, like I said, we haven't worked out exactly where he has just popped into the world yet. Yeah, but as soon as we figure that out, uh, that's going to be the significant place because it's this is where I traveled. Therefore, um. And one of the things that we had talked about as far as a certain amount of hand wavium, let's be fair. Mm -hmm. um, my native language is English. And um, because Mitchum is fairly well educated, I had enough extra points to drop into learning a language. And so he is going to drop in speaking whatever is the lingua franca, the popular language in the area. Um, I just have it recorded on the sheet as Viking. And um, what's fun with it is when it comes to any of the skills on the sheet and explaining how does I, or how does Mitchum know that, or how do I justify him having this skill or that one, Mitchum himself isn't even going to be able to justify it. He's just going to shrug and say, I picked it up somewhere. Um, considering that we're going to put this after the sense of the sleight of hand man campaign, um, he is actually going to start fairly good as a sword fighter. Okay, that makes and, sense. Um, he knows how to use a crossbow because it is closest to the ranged weapon that he is most familiar with. But if you hand him a longbow, he will just hand it right back and go, no, I don't. Mm -hmm. Because just yeah, so like, yeah. Have you learned how to use a bow and arrow? No, no, that's <laughs> not me. But on the other hand, um, we talked about the fact that I can throw a knife roughly seventeen yards, which is a pretty significant distance. <laughs> yeah. Like, are you going to th are you going to shoot this bow and arrow? No. Nah, but on the other hand, where did you pull that knife from? You don't want to know. Thunk. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
or sorry, sorry, um, Odin's beard. <laughs> I think as I reflect on this, I was really wanting just to stick with complete random tables, but the decisions and when the rose in the beginning again, it kind of affected my judgment. So when we were going down to the section where with like ideology to significant people, et cetera, et cetera. All these things are, you can random row. And I started out trying to do that. And I did do a hit, a pretty good one. Like, you know, this is a section where Chris mentioned that uh, his character believed that walls are a false sense of security. I actually rode a believer in the old ways. Does anybody know? Like, so I, I like that. It kind of worked with my, occultish kind of background mm -hmm. and then conversation wise i just went ahead and uh picked that my siblings were the significant people in my life and i've kind of assumed a parental role in the absence of our parents meaningful location our home and just to add a little bit more creepy well yeah a little bit more creepy uh, i did pick up Weapon-wise, because apparently you can use the brawl stat as well for with knife fights. I went ahead and said that in my parents' room after they left, I discovered a, a large, strange dagger. And it's one of the only things I got left of theirs. And it, you know, so what that dagger was used for or whatnot, we'll see. And I think one other thing I forgot to mention, like trait-wise, I did row for it, and I wrote that he was a romantic so I'm kind of going with this. I don't know if I'm sure David's read this. I don't know if it's uh, in the Canadian canon of literature that you read in middle school and whatnot, but uh, this is idealized uh, my side of the mountain, kind of like I can live out here on my own. He's kind of upbeat about um, living outside of society and uh, making it on his own. So that's, that's kind of the romantic as I interpreted it, but yeah, these are the characters. Uh, again, like I said, this is one of the first times I've really went through a Call of Cthulhu investigation by the book. I I liked it. What What do you all think? What's your What's your impressions of uh, rolling up a COC character? Well, yeah. this is similar to others that I've done. Um, I do rather like that there is some variance and I like that the age of the character makes all of the difference. Um, something that I realized after we had rolled up characters is that there are some places where there is a lot of benefit to, um, if you were to make a cleric or a priest and were to kind of go for wizened old cleric, like seventies, um, the chances for you to end up with a very high education rating are up there. And so you could basically play the, I am very, very knowledgeable, but at the same time, I don't fight. There's somebody else that is going to be doing the fighting instead. Um, so no matter what your flavor of character is for Dark Ages, there is a way that you can do it within this system and make it good. Um, it's up to you to make it great by the way that you play. So, yeah, um, yeah. There's uh, that. Yeah, honestly, I don't have much else to add. Um, it's I I wish I could run. I wish I could play and run Call of Cthulhu like pure Call of Cthulhu more often. Um, because it's a uh, way 
easier <laughs> than uh, character creation when it comes to like, you know, Call of Cthulhu D20, which I love that system, but this one is the OG for a reason. So, yeah. Well, we, and we, I know I mentioned this before we got started because they're uh, Dole's house. Has uh, I'm sorry, I have to say it like that, not as making fun of you, but before I call it Dole's Hole, but uh, I have to make that effort now that I made fun of you. There is also a, a derivative of this that you can play Pulp, uh, Call Cthulhu Dark Ages as well. And we've got a couple other players that are going to be playing in this game. And don't be surprised if you listen to the recording because one of the things that we do with Row Up is we're essentially just getting the, the books that we have sitting on our shelves that we haven't done anything with and just going through character creation and what we liked and whatnot. And then hopefully it spurns the game on. I mentioned earlier in this recording that the intention of this is to actually run this game. So, you know, there's going to be a few extra players in it, but we also may end up taking these sheets and seeing what the difference is between Pulp Cthulhu. Because I do, I don't know about you all, but my hit points, and I have a fairly decent con, well, an average con of 15, uh, 55 around, like I've got 13 hit points. And that's cool. I just I haven't decided as a game master uh, if I want to play up that, that aspect of Call of Cthulhu or if I would rather have a bit more pulpy kind of feel to it. Because I honestly, from, a, from my standpoint, I prefer Pulp Cthulhu over Call of Cthulhu. It just gives you a lot more uh, wiggle room on certain things. And yeah. so we may end up changing it. And last thing, as I finish this rambling little add-on here, I have got a rough draft of what I wanted you all to do. And just given the character creation that you two have done, that has affected certain aspects of it. So I'll probably have to go back and uh, stat things out differently. I'm not complaining that, oh no, you broke my game or whatnot. I'm it's, you know what the expression of any uh, stuff does not surprise, uh, survive contact with the player. Well, that goes in a session zero as well as I've learned. Um, I've got just, uh, I got to restring a little bit in the beginning to make it work, but I'm looking forward to it. So and it's going to be glorious one way or another. And I look forward to playing it. I'm yeah, honored I'm to have you with me. And you too, Chris. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I think we pretty much about hit it for this uh, episode. Gosh, uh, where can people find you all on the internet if they want to follow along? Uh, well, um, I am, like I said earlier, like uh, my name is Chris or Crazon or Review Cultist, there's a reason. Um, uh, I am Chris the GM on my actual play podcast, One Less Die, which is uh, it started off as a Shadowrun actual play podcast, but we've we've since fleshed out or <laughs> we've since uh, expanded out to um, encapsulate other systems and games that I've run over the last like near decade um, that I've been recording and just never got around to editing or posting anywhere. So now I'm starting to get around to that. So we go Shadowrun, Call of Cthulhu, D20, uh, Pathfinder, Monster of the Week. Uh, we're now going into um, such games as uh, Vossen, uh, which has been fantastic. And Adam's part of that. And so is David. Um, so, yeah, if you want to check out some uh, a, a group of friends playing uh, uh, playing uh, random horror games of various flavors, um, 
and uh, see my evolution as a GM because it's basically like all the games I've recorded were basically my um, uh, my my home movies of, of me growing up as a GM. So um, yeah, you can check those out there. Um, and then I also, when I'm not running actual play games or actual play podcast stuff uh, or running tabletop games, I am reading and discussing creepypastas with some friends on Al Dente Rigamortis, which is a basically a creepypasta reading club. <laughs> um, we, we read a creepypasta every week and then we sit down and discuss it um, and critique it and even edit it grammatically for the person and then go into like our actual thoughts of like what we thought of the actual story and the contents. So uh, we all go by a moniker in on that show. Uh, I'm review cultist. Uh, my other co-hosts are the gamer in yellow and Mikey, the E stands for evil. And I go by Adam <laughs> and Adam comes in as Adam from RPX <laughs> occasionally. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been a ton of fun. We're actually just past. We just got through our, uh, 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 we just went past our nine-year anniversary of that show. <laughs> Congratulations! Uh, Four hundred and seventy-four episodes as of that. Uh, as of that, <laughs> so uh, good lord, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a ride, a very strange and creepy ride. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you can check it out there. And I'm on I'm Review Cultist on Twitter. If you want to send me messages there, awesome. How about yourself, David? Well, I have been the mauve hand for over 20 years now, and um, you can find me either on Twitter under that handle. Um, I'm here on Discord as the mauve hand, and you can find me in the RPPR Discord. Um, Episodes of RPPR, episodes of RPX, and various other podcasts have had me as a guest player from time to time. So I'm... I'm out on the internet, y'all. Just look for me. And um, if you need a weird gay uncle to give dubious advice, that is apparently what I get to put on my business card these days. <laughs> and we love to have you. <laughs> oh, yeah. And for, for those of you, if it's your first time tuning in, thank you so much. Not that I don't appreciate you longtime listeners. Don't get me wrong, but uh, you can find the Rope Point Exchange at uh, com. There's also a Podbean website but to be honest with you all that is used is just to feed the main website so like i don't even bother giving that out we are on twitter at rp exchange and we have a facebook that i am honestly double checking because i always forget that uh that address but honestly i'm about two months behind on updating the facebook page and to be frank with you, I don't want to just like those people who are watching us. I don't want to spam them with like 20 episodes. So I'm slowly getting caught up on it. But if you would like to see my procrastination in, at work, it is facebook.com slash the row point exchange. And if you enjoy uh, these row ups, uh, you could go ahead and hop over to our Patreon. And uh, we got several different tiers available, but for basically $5 a month, you can get uh these episodes four months in advance so we're actually today i'm launching the first row up june 31st today is the first uh, actually rpx row up it's going to be on the general syndication so if you want to beat beat the rush please come order uh patreon.com slash exchange and uh gentlemen thank you so much i've had a blast i can't wait to get off here edit this thing, 
and then sit down and fix my scenario for Creepy Blue Dark Ages so we can see what wackiness our characters can get into. Oh, it's going to be so Indeed. much fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. Excited to go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and if we get this done quick enough, I'll try to actually even release uh, the AP around the same month as the um, as uh, the row-up hits the general feed. But nice. Once again, thank you all for tuning in. And until next time, we'll see you all later. Bye-bye. Sleep well.